This is William Mays of the Mays Legal Group. I'm a Michigan criminal defense attorney with over a decade and a half of experience fighting drunk driving cases. I've been in the courts, I fought the prosecutors, and I know the police officers. I know Michigan's drunk driving laws inside and out, and I'm going to share with you what I know so you don't get stopped, you don't get arrested, and you don't get burned by the system. For more information, Look at my webpage, www.michigan-drunk-driving.com or call my office, toll-free, 888-941-1122. Now on with the show. All right, so this is William Mays, and I figured that today we would talk about breath test refusals, chemical test refusals under Michigan law. You know, uh... If you're stopped for uh, suspicion of drunk driving, the officer, uh, he typically runs you through these uh, field sobriety tests after he stopped you, and uh, at the end, he he typically offers a, a preliminary breath test. So, uh, you know, that's the one of the biggest questions I get, um, and it really just, I, I've printed out so many articles about this, it's, it's kind of crazy. I keep telling people over and over again... And not just, you know, your average everyday person that's maybe drinking and driving but uh, uh, or friends or whatnot, but, but lawyers as well. You know, uh, common question. I get calls all the time from these lawyers. They're always asking, uh, hey, my, my guy, he refused to do the PBT. Is he going to lose his license for a year? Um, no, okay? And I, I just don't know how many times I can write this down or say it in a speech or something like that. You don't lose your license for a preliminary breath test refusal. It's the chemical test. That's the big one, okay? The data master back at the police station, the uh, uh, blood test at the hospital or urine test at the hospital. That's the stuff that counts, okay? Not, Not the preliminary breath test. I tell people all the time, refuse the preliminary breath test. Why? The preliminary breath test is zero points doesn't go on your record. I mean, unless you're a commercial driver or you're a minor suspected of drinking alcohol, uh, all that the PBT can do is provide the officer with a reason to arrest you, okay? Let's say that you passed all the field sobriety tests. Let's say that there's no slurred speech, but the officer still thinks, well, maybe I should do this uh, last test is what they always call it. I've got one more test that I'm going to want you to do. The statutes here under Michigan law, they say that if an officer conducts a preliminary breath test, he or she may arrest in whole or in part, meaning that they can they can arrest you just based upon the PBT. Uh, so let's say you refuse the PBT. Eh, is the officer going to arrest you? Yeah, he probably is. He's, he's already run you through all the tests. He's probably still going to arrest you. But uh, I, I do get calls occasionally from people. Uh, asking, hey, you know, am I going to lose my license? I, I was released last night by the police, and I say, no, congratulations, you don't have to hire me. Uh, but it's the lawyers that I get these calls from that uh, it's just, no matter how many times you say it, it just doesn't stick. Zero points. Doesn't go on your record even. I mean, this isn't even as bad as a speeding ticket. It does not go on the record. But uh, anyway, what what happens with chemical tests once a person is arrested, though, uh, if a person refuses a chemical test after an arrest, uh, the motorist has 14 days to ask for a hearing. 
in front of the Secretary of State. Not in front of the court, in front of the Secretary of State. It's on the back of the temporary driver's license. Uh, Normally when a person is arrested for a drunk driving offense, if they blow over the legal limit, the officer destroys the driver's license, cuts it in two right in front of them, and gives them a paper license. This is what's known as a 625G permit. 625G permit might be a DI-177 or a DI-93. DI-177 is a consent, breath test, blood test, urine test. DI-93 is a refusal. The DI-177 is only one page printed on both sides. The DI-93 is two pages printed on both sides for a total of four pages. One of those four pages, or two, uh, it's a request for hearing before the Secretary of State. So what do you do with that thing? You know, you, you fill it out. You fill it out. The address is on the back. Uh, upper right-hand corner, it says, uh, I request a hearing on issues. And then it's got this little blank underlined portion. Write down issues one through four. There's four issues that have to be proven at the Secretary of State before the driver's license is suspended. Uh, basically, it's, uh, did the officer have the right to arrest you for drunk driving? Did the officer arrest you for drunk driving? Uh, did the officer read you chemical test rights? And did you unreasonably refuse to submit to that chemical test? Now, let's break that down. Uh, the right to stop, arrest, that's all guided by reasonable suspicion and probable cause. Uh, if you're speeding or if your headlights are off, the officer has the right to stop the vehicle. If some sort of civil infraction or whatnot, it gives the officer the right to stop the vehicle, but not necessarily to arrest. The officer must have probable cause to make the arrest. Probable cause is based upon the totality of circumstances. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the totality of circumstances, what does that mean? Uh, did the officer uh, believe that it was more probable than not that the motorist was intoxicated? If the answer to that is yes, then the arrest is supported by law. If the answer is no, then we start talking about the U.S. Constitution and the Fourth Amendment protections against unreasonable search and seizure because an arrest is a seizure. It's a seizure of the person. So that's why the officers do these various field sobriety tests. That's why they want you to take the PBT so that they can get that probable cause and uh, then place you under arrest. Now, the other element uh, was the person placed under arrest for a specified crime. Was the person arrested for drunk driving? Now, if you're over at the shopping mall and you're picked up for shoplifting or uh, disorderly conduct at some local tavern, I don't know, that is not an arrest that's going to require a person to submit to chemical testing. Okay, they can't arrest you for shoplifting and say, hey, I kind of think that you might have been drinking or doing some drugs. Let's go take a chemical test. Uh, the chemical test rights, though, that's the biggest part. This announces to the person that they've been placed under arrest for drunk driving and uh, advises the person of certain statutory rights. Uh, if you refuse my test, one shall not be given without a court order, it says, but I may seek to obtain such a court order. This means that if you refuse the chemical test, the officer can go out get a search warrant from a judge, and these are relatively easy to get in your garden variety drunk driving cases 
to seize blood. Now, obviously, they can't force you to blow into a machine, but... Uh, uh, oh, by the way, I should mention this. The machine that they have you blow into, for purposes of knowing the difference between the preliminary breath test and the data master. The data master's big, okay? It's at, it's at the police station. It's not a small little handheld thing. This is a big gizmo, makes a lot of noise. You're going to know if you're taking an evidential breath test. If the officer can hold it in his hand, that's a preliminary breath test. So that way you don't get too confused over which one's what. All right, so uh, fourth element is, uh, or I'm sorry, third element, whether or not the officer read you the chemical test rights, they have to read you off the back of the temporary driver's license, that 625G permit I I I mentioned earlier. It's got the chemical test rights on the back of the form. It's on both the DI-93 as well as the DI-177. They read that off verbatim, and they ask at the very end, after advising the person that they, well, for example, have the right to a chemical test from a person of their own choosing, should they uh, submit to the government's chemical test, and that both tests will be used in evidence in the court proceedings thereafter, blah, blah, blah. At the end of this uh, chemical test rights, there are three choices that the officer can read, and the officer reads off, will you submit to A? And then the officer's choice of breath test, blood test, or urine test. Now, urine tests are very, very infrequently used. Uh, It's not accurate for drugs. It's not accurate for alcohol. And let's face it, nobody likes to deal with pee. So typically what you're going to see is a blood test or a breath test. Blood, if they suspect that there might be drugs, breath test if they want to make it quick and easy. Uh, If it's a very serious accident, injury, or something like that, though, they'll always go for blood just because they don't want to have to deal with the uh, difficulties with breath testing because breath testing isn't necessarily accurate. So, uh, and then that last element, whether or not the refusal was reasonable. Uh, The courts or the Secretary of State and the courts have held that uh, a refusal is reasonable if a person asks to speak to a lawyer before deciding whether or not to submit to a chemical test, even though the motorist is not entitled to an attorney at that stage of the proceedings, he or she has the right to consult with an attorney to decide whether or not he or she should submit to a chemical test. I know that sounds a little confusing. It, it is, okay? But uh, bottom line is, is that you can't tell the police officer, I refuse to submit to the breath test unless you allow me to have a lawyer here. That's ain't wrong. Okay? If, on the other hand, you say, I'd like to talk to a lawyer, could you provide me with a telephone and a telephone book, officer-friendly? They're required to give you access to a telephone and uh, maybe look through the yellow pages to see if you can find a lawyer at 3.30 in the morning that you can consult with to determine whether or not you should or should not submit to the breath test. Aside from that, the only other times where I've won in front of the Secretary of State regarding that fourth element is if the person was actually confused and the officers provided further elaboration on the chemical test rights that were clear as mud. So, City of Taylor, I can't remember how many years ago this was, but uh, an officer 
was trying to explain to my client why he should submit to the breath test. He kept asking questions, and this officer kept giving confusing and muddled responses. And the hearing officer said, with all this with all this being said, I, I can't suspend this person's license. So, and that was a hearing officer before the Secretary of State, not a judge, but a hearing officer before the Secretary of State, like I explained earlier. <clears throat> In any event, if you are charged with a chemical test refusal, Michigan's implied consent laws kick into effect. Implied consent is not real consent, it's coerced consent. But we've got a statute that says that by operating on the roads, you give your consent that if an officer has probable cause to believe that you're intoxicated, that you will submit to a breath, blood, or urine test. That said, that implied consent statute carries a six-point penalty and a one-year suspension for a first refusal. If you've got multiple implied consent refusals, it depends on how many you've got, but two within seven is a two-year suspension, okay? Um, So it could be enhanced. But the most majority of people that are facing a chemical test refusal have only had one refusal. It's a one-year suspension, six points on the license. Now, interestingly enough, an operating while intoxicated or an operating while intoxicated with a high BAC carries a maximum of six points. These merge, so if the motorist were convicted of drunk driving and violating implied consent laws, there's only a maximum of six points. If, on the other hand, the person gets that reduction that we, you know, everybody gets the impaired and it gets reduced down to OWVI to four points, uh, that's only four points. But if if there's a chemical test refusal... Uh, it remains on the record as a six-point offense. And and this is independent of whether or not the person is actually drunk. I should mention that. A person can be completely sober, not a drop of alcohol, no drugs whatsoever. And so long as the officer can make out the claim that there was probable cause for the arrest, then the implied consent law doesn't concern itself with whether or not the person is actually drinking or doing drugs, or is completely innocent, this implied consent penalty, it it can kick into effect with a completely sober motorist. All right, well, I hope that that's answered some of your questions that you might have had about chemical test refusals and Michigan's implied consent laws. Again, if you're facing a drunk driving charge, or if you've got an implied consent refusal with the Secretary of State, Don't hesitate to call my offices. You've only got 14 days after you get that notice to get that thing into the Secretary of State. And there's a lot of other information you're going to want to get to try and protect your rights in a drunk driving case. So call my office, toll free, 888-941-1122. Thanks for listening. This is William Mays of the Mays Legal Group. For more information, visit us online at www.michigan-drunk.com driving.com or call our offices toll free at 888-941-1122.